Since the beginning of 2020, our world has been rocked by the coronavirus. First described as a flu-like infection that spread from China to the rest of the world, coronavirus has shown to have much more serious implications than that of the flu. Because of the severity of the side effects, including fatigue, fever, dry cough, muscle soreness, and shortness of breath, combined with the abruptness of the spread, whole cities shut down as offices and places of business closed. Social areas everywhere gated up or boarded off to prevent people from gathering. Restaurants, places of worship, gyms, and other places deemed non-essential were forced to shut their doors for the safety of the people. Though we may not know the full impact of the coronavirus for years to come, one unforeseen side effect is ravaging many people in communities all over America. Its impact could have lingering effects that could last long after the vaccine or cure for coronavirus is found. It's the COVID-19 pounds. Hi, my name is Greggy, and I have a dad bod. Well, not in a traditional sense. In fact, before having my son, I promised myself to maintain my fitness, even through my journey as a father, and not just my physical fitness, but my mental, fiscal, and emotional, and even my spiritual. I swore to myself that I would always strive to be my best self, not just for myself, but for my little guy and for my growing family. This conversation is focused on that journey and the ways we as fathers can not only get fit and maintain it, but thrive. We're not dead. We're just dads, and it's not over. Join me. Let's redefine the idea of fitness. Let's get dad fit here on the Dad Fit Podcast. Greetings, 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 and thank you for checking in for the Dad Fit Podcast. I am your host, Greggy Amizial. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. And since you're here, let's talk. In all seriousness, as we approach 120,000 deaths here in the United States, I want to be sure to be respectful to all of those who have been affected by the coronavirus. And that's whether you were infected or you knew someone who was or you were a caregiver for someone who had fallen ill. I also want to offer condolences to anyone who knows someone who's passed away because of complications caused by the virus. And I also want to give a big shout out to any essential workers out there. 120,000 people dead. I'm going to say that again. 120,000 people dead. It's actually hard to say, and it's even harder to grasp. Think about it like this. The MetLife Stadium, where the New York Giants play, holds 82,000 people. Cowboy Stadium holds 80,000. We're only 40,000 shy of filling them both here in the U.S. That's a lot of people. One would have felt like too many, but 120,000? That's just crazy. And though we have yet to have a public forum to grieve all of this dead, we're each carrying the weight of that reality in our own way. Along with that, social distancing has created another set of circumstances that have a depressing effect on the spirit. Work from home has become the temporary new norm for some, while others are faced with no work at home due to job loss or the newest and most confusing word in our lexicon, the furlough, which is kind of like having a job but not having a job, but not really. <laughs> some people like being secluded, and if you're one of those people, this probably works for you. You're able to be home, be left alone, and that's good. But if you're social like me, huh, the quarantine is heavy. Not being able to see people or connect in person, face-to-face, -face, really can make a difference in your moods and your motivations.
I recently bumped into a guy I see all the time at the gym, and I have to admit it was awkward. You want to say what's up, but what follows that? The awkward forearm bump? Then what? You take a couple steps back because you want to make, make sure you maintain your six feet? Not to mention, I could barely recognize him because we were both wearing masks. His answer was like most when I asked how he was doing. He said he was doing well, but he added that he almost gained 20 pounds since March. 20 pounds in 15 weeks. That's a little over a pound a week. It's shocking when you say it out loud, but I know it's not uncommon. I've spoken to several people who have had a hard time staying active during this quarantine. And even those who have stayed somewhat active have had such a radical change to their routine that any progress that was made after those New Year's resolutions in January had been put in complete jeopardy, if not lost altogether in just three months. When I got home, after my brief but socially distant encounter with my fellow swellmate, I knew I had to do it. I had to step on a scale. I had been seeing it in the mirror. A little less definition in my arms, feeling a little softer around my waist. Was I coming down with something? I had to know. I walked in after leaving my shoes outside, mask off, gloves done, washed my hands and ran down the stairs. I kicked open the bathroom door and put my bare feet on the cold scale to look down and get the cold, hard truth. And there it was, staring right back at me. The evidence was undeniable. I had gained the COVID-19 pounds. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 If I'm honest, I've seen weight gain like this before. Way back, like back, back, back in the day, there was a major shift in my routine that caused some serious weight gain. And it happened unknowingly, much like this one did. At that time, I had went home for the holiday, and my sister, in her nicest and most honest way, had to let me know that I had gained my freshman 15. Now, people say that tongue-in-cheek, right? The freshman 15. And when they talk about it, they're usually talking about that perceived weight gain that many people are said to experience after their first years in college. If you look it up, it's noted as a myth. Although there is a correlation between weight gain and the combination of junk food, intake, the unhealthy options in, in dining halls, not to mention larger portions, free refills, late night eating, and dun-dun-dun, alcohol consumption. When I dissected my COVID-19 behaviors, they were a lot like my freshman 15 behaviors. Let me highlight some of the major ones. Rapid change. In both situations, the change was somewhat fast and unexpected. High school to college, everything was different and I didn't know what to expect. Simple things like when I ate, when I slept, when I woke up, showered, they were all left up to me. Where my family's routine and my school schedule had given me structure during high school, the freedom of freshman year lacked all that structure and discipline. I was way too free and I wasn't ready. 2020 BC, before COVID, I was all structure. I planned my meals, I planned my workouts, I slept around the same time and woke up at the same time just about every day. And because I am now working around an infant's demands, if I want any time to myself, I need a schedule. Introduce COVID and my schedule and routine were ruined for almost the opposite reasons. With myself, my wife, and my baby at home, all of our schedules crashed into each other and they didn't fit. Going grocery shopping became an issue because the infrequency of actually getting outside and shopping, and all of that left me with a pretty crappy mood. Then there's diet. When I was in school, or high school anyway, mom's home cooking, 
wasn't only made with love, it was made with her hands. And although it was carb heavy, it wasn't fast food. As a matter of fact, fast food was a luxury growing up. But in college, fast food changed. It became a major food group right after snacks and chips on the nutrition pyramid. And while quarantine didn't increase my fast food intake, the snacking definitely did uptick. For some reason, I just felt the need to graze more. Every time I walked by the kitchen, you know you got to check what's in the refrigerator, and it seemed like early on I was always tasting something. And the taste was really like snacking or sometimes even full-blown eating. When I finally noticed my new habit, I was slowly, slowly able to get back to somewhat mindful eating on most days. But at night, no holes barred. Ice cream, a cookie or two or three. One night of Netflix binging ended in the, in the demolition of a whole bag of wavy lace potato chips. And I'm really sad to say it was the family sized. <laughs> um, oh, and I can't forget alcohol consumption. Uh, I won't incriminate myself by talking about my freshman year drinking because hopefully my mom will listen to this and my kids in the future will too. But uh, I'm of age now and I've been drinking way more in quarantine than I have in a long time. When it comes to sleep, I have to admit, I've always been pretty bad. In college, it was FOMO. I needed to be where the action was. I had that big fear of missing out. Now, that was great for my social life, but it wasn't so great for my waistline. Today, in quarantine... It's the inability to quiet down the world to get a good night's sleep that's having a similar effect. Activity might be my one saving grace. Right now, I still exercise, and I was able to figure out how and when I would work out. I did transition to at-home workouts, but in the beginning, the intensity was definitely my problem. I just couldn't seem to go as hard as I did at home as I did at the gym. I definitely couldn't get in the same mind space, let alone not having all the same equipment. The makeshift workouts were killing me. Eventually, I think something clicked, and I was able to get into a groove, or so I thought. I wear a step tracker. It's in my smartwatch, and my 2020 BC numbers are way different than my COVID-19 numbers. I went from 16 to 20,000 steps on average a day to six or 7,000. 10,000 fewer steps is going to have an impact on your body, your mood, and your spirit somehow, and I believe that the extra weight it's just a physical manifestation of that impact. Mood. Like I said in the beginning, this is serious. The fear, the uncertainty, the news, the noise, the confusion, all of it. I don't fault anyone for not being as pumped to get a pump. And even if you do get active, it's hard to put your all into it if your mood is down. You skip a set or a rep, you end short, you skip workouts altogether, one workout's become one whole day, then two then three, three becomes a week, and so on and so on. Not only does it affect your workouts, but your relationships too. When I'm not right and I'm not feeling my best self, I have a hard time communicating with those closest to me. I'm quiet, I'm short, and if you ask my wife, I'm sure she'll tell you I'm a real joy to be around. My sleep is restless, and that isn't the best space for me or my family. So, I have to recover. And now that I know that's clear, the only question is how. They say where there's a will, there's a way. And I don't have a remix to that line, so we'll just go with that. I'm not cool with this weight gain, so I'm willing. And since I'm willing, it's time to devise my way. I've learned that taking big problems down and breaking them into smaller parts is productive for me. 19 pounds on its face is a big deal. And it took me about 15 weeks to get there. So it's gonna take me at least that much time to get it off. I'm also gonna to need to be in the right mind state to get that weight off. So let's start there, mindset. 
you've never heard of the growth mindset, it's a tool that I've used both in my professional and personal space to get to solves. It's simple, really. Psychologist Carol Dweck led studies that found that there are two distinct mindsets that people exhibit when faced with trials and tribulations. And I'm not even sure why I said trials and tribulations, because I don't even talk like <laughs> But a growth mindset and a fixed mindset are the two mindsets that she, de that she defined. People with a growth mindset believe that their abilities can improve over time, while those with a fixed mindset believe that their abilities are fixed. Both mindsets exist on a spectrum and may show up differently depending on the circumstance. There are a bunch of graphics that'll explain it, and she's also written a pretty good book on the topic, but I'll try to make it simple so we can all follow along. There are five major areas that can help you determine where you sit on the growth versus fixed mindset spectrum. First is challenges. How do you respond to a challenge? Do you tend to avoid a challenge or do you embrace one? Those with a growth mindset embrace challenges while those with a fixed mindset avoid them. Have you ever heard yourself say that you can never do something like, I can never lift that heavy or run that far or swim that long? Well, that's a fixed mindset. The growth minded know that it's possible. It just takes time and effort. How you respond to obstacles, effort, criticism, and the success of others all plays out similarly. The growth-minded persist in the face of obstacles. They see effort as a path to mastery, and they learn from criticism. And they find inspiration in the success of others. If that's not you, chances are you have a fixed mindset. And why does it matter? Well, the science shows that people who exhibit a growth mindset avoid plateaus and grow. And they are met with more success over time than people with a fixed mindset. I'm going to try to apply that that concept to my COVID-19 really quickly. If I was to go into it with a fixed mindset and thinking about how negative and how hard it's going to be to lose around 19 pounds, um, I'm probably going to stop pretty short. My effort's not going to be as strong. My thought process around it's not going to be as good. But if I think about the fact that time and effort are actually the key to get me there, I'm going to have a totally different approach. I'm going to take the 15 weeks. I'm going to look at it, plan it, schedule it, think about it. Even a bad day won't be that bad because I'll know that bad days are just part of the process and the effort that I have to take will help me build the habits I need to get there. That mindset is going to be the difference between success and failure as I take on this challenge of beating my COVID-19. Since we talked about now the mindset, the next thing we have to talk about is time. 15 weeks. That's just around a semester in school, a fiscal quarter in the adult world, or three months. However it makes sense to you, be sure to break it down. Time is tricky for a bunch of different reasons. One of them is that there's only so many hours in the day, and finding the way to get the most productive use of that time, uh, including work, parenting, partnering, and self-care, is really hard. It also takes time to see results. You can feel the effects of a workout immediately, but seeing results takes time. If you don't give yourself enough time to see the change, then quitting becomes an option. I always like to listen to how fast people want to see the results of their work. No matter how intense the work, short windows are just unrealistic. What's more, it's unsustainable. If you just take your time to get there, you have a better chance of getting there and thriving. The sprint versus marathon metaphor really works here. Sprinting to the finish leaves you spent, and once you hit the goal, you have to let up. But the steady pace over time means you can keep your momentum going, and that's how you sustain. That's how you keep your gains. That's also how you thrive. Do the work to get there, and the behaviors and habits that you build along the way will help you keep it going. One last thing about time 
and mindset. First, mindset. It's more than seeing is believing or just being positive. It's recognizing that it takes time and effort. But where there's a will, there's a way. And when it comes to time, be really mindful about the time. I said 15 weeks, but over that next 15 weeks, I need to look at the calendar, know all the dates and deadlines that I have. I need to know all the doctor's visits my kid has or the things that will affect my wife because any of those things could be a roadblock in my time. And if I'm not clear on those, those could actually be a pitfall that I didn't avoid because I didn't plan for it. Now that that's the foundation and it's set, there's three questions I can use to coach myself through my solves for my newly found COVID-19. I need to be really clear on these three simple questions consistently. What's working, where I'm getting stuck, and what I could do differently. First, I need to ask myself what worked. Because getting a good sense of where my wins have been, well, that's like a cheat sheet for my success. So if I'm clear on where my wins are, why wouldn't I start there? If it's worked in the past, there's a good chance it might work in the future. Next, I need to be sure on where I got stuck. Sometimes we miss the mark. And the answers for our comebacks are often uncovered when we really dissect where we went wrong. And when I'm clear on where and maybe even why I got stuck, then I have what I need to plan my way forward. And finally, that's that third question. What can I commit to doing going forward? If I know what works and I'm clear on what didn't, I can plan a way forward and commit to it. Like I said, curing my COVID-19 will be some work, but I have the right mindset and I'm feeling good about doing it. Over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to keep you updated on my progress. I'll share my answers to what's working, where I'm getting stuck, and what I'll do to fix where I'm getting stuck in the future. Um, I'd love to hear what you're doing to cure your COVID-19s. Hit me up at the DadFit Podcast on Gmail or the DadFit Podcast on Instagram. You can get in my DMs. You can follow me. Hit me up with comments. I want to know how you're curing it, and I also want to share it on here. Something you're doing might inspire me, and I'd love to use that to inspire someone else as well. Okay, I'm getting ready to shut this episode down and sign off. But before I do, there's a few things that I want to share. As I said earlier, this whole coronavirus quarantine thing is crazy. It's exposed a lot of the ugly of the world. But it's also challenged humanity to show up in the face of this adversity. With kids out of school, social distancing has made graduation ceremonies a life-threatening gathering. But achievements like commencement should be celebrated. And like I said, where there's a will, there's a way. Shout out to all the parents, teachers, and administrators making a way and keeping graduation special by doing everything from hand-delivering diplomas to coordinating drive-by graduation celebrations. You are making these moments unforgettable for all the right reasons. I recently walked through my town and saw senior portraits of every student of the local high school's graduating class posted on a lamppost in our most traffic area. That was cool. And I know the parents appreciated it because they spent a lot of money on those pictures that kids never use. <laughs> It's not just graduations. I've seen everything from socially distanced birthday parties, complete with fire trucks and police cruisers, to a wedding couple who decided that love couldn't wait. So they got seven family members allowed by law, an officiant, and they performed their wedding on Zoom so that their family members could bear witness to their nuptials. It was beautiful, and I'm sure they'll never forget it. Something that I will never forget is my first Father's Day. Not only was my wife amazing and seeing my son that morning great, I woke up to a group of my friends outside of my place with balloons, posters, wishing me a first happy Father's Day. It uplifted my spirits and reminded me of how good the world and the people in it can be. I'm thankful to my friends, and I want to give a big shout out to all those people who put in that kind of thought into making these tough times 
a little bit better for someone else. This has been the Dad Fit Podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you for spending some of it with me. You've made my day. Now get out there and make somebody else's. Love is love. Knowledge is power. So know yourself and be the most powerful being you can be. One.